I think sometimes children, whether they feel that their parents expected of them or they just want it themselves, like it's up to us as parents to be like, you're going to cut this off for a little while. And I'm going to regulate you not to do more. I'm going to regulate you to do less because if not, you're going to get burned out. And I want you to enjoy it. I want you to have fun. This is the Reform Sports Project, a podcast about restoring healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. Hi, this is Nick Bonacore from the Reform Sports Podcast. Today I'm speaking with Emily Jones, sportscaster from the Texas Rangers. Emily has been a sideline reporter and pre- and post-game maker for the Dallas Mavericks, San Antonio Spurs, Houston Rockets, Texas Rangers, and the Houston Astros. She's a mom, youth softball coach, big-time baseball fan, and host of the Mom Game Podcast. Emily and I discussed the role parents have to play in regulating their kids' training, youth sports advice she got from a few of the professional baseball players she works with, and the three things she tells her softball team every time they play. Man, I am. Uh, I got a really awesome, another awesome guest. She's coming to us from Texas. She's been covering the Texas Rangers for a heck of a long time. She's a podcast host, obviously a writer. Uh, she is a freaking sports mom, and she's also a... Uh, from what I hear, like the second mom for the Texas Rangers. I read an article on that, which was pretty freaking cool. I can't wait to dig in. But I'm uh, really so excited to have her, Emily Jones. Emily, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, sure, you bet. So I want to start here with you. Uh, obviously, we connected through Todd Walther, who uh, who was a guest on our pod as well. He kind of shared that you you know you have obviously a lot of experience in athletics, but you know you're a sports mom and and you share a passion for youth sports. I just want to ask you this: like when you take a look at the landscape of youth sports, your experience. You know, what are some things that maybe you have seen, you know, over the last 15, 20 years or that you just see in general that that concern you? I guess I just want to start there. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it all came about when I had kids and they started playing sports. So you kind of see it on the periphery, you know, for a while when you don't have kids that are of age to play sports. And so you kind of like see it and formulate opinions about it based on that. And then, you know, you kind of get into it and see it firsthand and it's. I don't know. I mean, it's just so much. It's just a lot. Um, you know, I coach my daughter's uh, youth softball team. Um, this is my third year to coach them, and I absolutely love it. Um, you know, and my son plays baseball, football, and basketball. And, you know, Hattie, my daughter, also plays volleyball and basketball as well. So we're a huge sports family. Um but I, I guess just like the intensity level is just so tremendous. And it's very rarely, if ever, coming from the kids. It's all coming from the parents. And it's just kind of, I mean, for lack of a better word, kind of gross. Um, when we're talking about, you know, eight, nine, 10, 12 year old kids that so many adults are clinging to this as, some sort of validation in their lives that if their kids' sports teams do well, then, you know, they're, for lack of a better word, the big man on campus. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's very perplexing and confusing to me, honestly. Um, it's not all that way by any stretch, but there's enough of it to be like, yeah, what's, what, what exactly is going on here? <laughs> So I wrote, uh, but we wrote a blog uh, going back and, and I kind of, uh, I talked about how I am the lone wolf sports parent. Like I love being, and, and not because I'm antisocial. In fact, I, I like to think I'm pretty social, but it's like, I try to stay away from the crowd. Like I don't want to get caught up. I mean, years ago, I, you know, I've coached as well, but it's like, 
when I go watch my kids play, I don't want to get caught up in the riffraff, you know, where parents are talking about, you know, the coach is making a terrible decision. The umpires suck or, or this kid's not playing well. And like you mentioned, 8, 9, 10, 12, 11, you know, whatever your old kids. And it's easy to get sucked into it, though, and 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 to, to take part. So I, I try to just stay away. You know, I go and stand by myself or my wife or my kids. And we just kind of just want to watch the kids compete and have a good time. But how do you kind of navigate it, right? Like it's like this line of I don't want to be antisocial. I don't want this. But like, how do you kind of how do you navigate it? Well, so I think it's a little bit of a, a combination of, of a lot of things. So first and foremost, I mean, I, I think we're all looking out for for our children and everyone has you know, your child's situation might be different than my child's. And so I am an advocate for my children in all that they do, whether it be school or sports or social or whatever it is. I am, you know, selfishly looking out for the best interests of my children. Um, but also, too, I have in mind, um, you know, if my kids are, are 1A, 1B, I have, you know, in mind the kids around them. And, you know, so I think I I try to stay quiet. There are times when I get caught up in the moment. I'm a fan. I'm a sports fan. I want my kids to do well, obviously. Um, I want their team to do well. That's not always going to be the case. They're young. Mistakes happen. I mean, I cover a major league baseball team and have for the last 20 years. And errors happen on a regular basis. And these are big leaguers getting paid millions of dollars to play this game that practice, you know, no less than, you know, two, three hours a day for nine months out of the year. I mean, so, you know, all of that weighing into it, I also realized at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a fan and I'm their mom and I'm, I'm into it. But I think that there's, there's a very, for me, I try to make it a very tempered enthusiasm and tempered involvement. Um, because first of all, I respect the people that do take their time to coach, um, to pour into these kids. Most of the time it's completely voluntary. They're not being compensated. And I'm grateful for that. Um, same way with the umpires. I mean, obviously, or, and, and referees and officials, they're being compensated, but let's be real. It's not great. And, and they're not at the level, you know, of a, of a big league umpiring crew or any sort of equivalent. And so I try to keep all of that in perspective and in mind. I just think that with parents, uh, by and large, um, the vast majority just don't have that. They don't have that to kind of fall back on those experiences and, and different things like that. And so they're completely and totally invested into these youth sports, which is great to support your children, but there has to be some sort of balance. And it's a balance for me. I mean, I try to keep my mouth shut, especially when it's a team I'm not coaching. Um, but you know, like for example, I had an issue with a team my son played on, you know, a couple of years ago and they brought in replacement play or like, uh, not replacement, that sounds bad, guest players, right? Cause we had injuries or whatever. And then those guest players were batting at the top of the lineup. And I was like, that to me doesn't seem right. Like that doesn't seem, I, I, that to me doesn't make sense. Just having the sports background that I do and knowing how, a big leaguer who is a grown man feels when he gets bumped down in the lineup or whatever, uh, knowing how that affects him mentally and psychologically as a part of the game. I had a question about that, like, hey, I don't think that, you know, 10, 11, 12 year olds are their Their psyche is going to take a hit. And I feel like so much of the game at this stage and in, in kids lives developmentally is so much is so much um 
tied to that, like the confidence that a coach would have in them and the, the belief that, you know, someone would have in them. They feed off of that so much. And it's such an impressionable age that I felt like I had a question about that. And so that was, you know, something that I took into account and addressed and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you have to kind of, I guess, pick and choose where you want to be vocal um, and where you think it's appropriate. But I try to remain, you know, level-headed, not question you know, coaches, umpires, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, there is certain times when, you know, I, I haven't kept my mouth shut. I have said something um, and I try to do it in a respectful and, and kind manner and, you know, go from there. But, you know, you, it's just, it's very much a personal thing. Uh, and everyone kind of navigates their way through it differently. And I, I think with me and my, my background in sports and the things that I've done through my job, I have a, a, a kind of maybe kind of a different perspective you know, than, than some parents do. And I, I don't knock other parents for having, you know, their way of dealing with things, but it just is overall, it's very intense. And it seems a little over the top, honestly. You know, that's, that's a very interesting point that you just made as far as, uh, you know, a big leader ha- having their psyche kind of, uh, you know, um, you know, messed up temporarily, you know, for, you know, getting moved down to the bat. People forget, they often dehumanize professional athletes. Like, oh, yeah. you know, and, and no one has a front row seat at that. Not many have a front row seat of that like you do. I have friends that have played in professional sports and, and you know, so I've had some pretty intimate conversations with, with, those, with those folks and I get it. But you've been doing it for, for years and years and years and really seeing the, you know, the energy like, and mental health is such a big thing. You know, it's such a big thing that thankfully is now being talked about without that scarlet letter. You know, you're seeing more and more athletes get vulnerable, open up and show what I think is strength, which years ago used to be considered weakness. And, and it's not, it's a real strength to be able to talk about that. And if 21, you know, 30 year old grown men or women, depending on the sport, um, struggle with the mental you know, rejection or, you know, the, the struggles, the failures that go along with sport. How the hell do you expect a 9, 10, 11 year old to, to just go through it with, you know, prancing around, right? So, so how can, I guess, if you can talk a little bit about some of the mental grind and the struggle that these athletes that you cover go through and maybe correlate it to like, hey, we can't have, cause, cause I often argue, Emily, that a lot of times some of these organizations, you know, youth organizations will put together like the practice plans of like college and pro athletes and try to put it on like nine, 10 year olds and expect them to have the same type of enthusiasm. It's like, there's a difference there, isn't there? Yeah. And I think it's just like everything else. Like, I feel like we, we might, we might be forcing things a little, a little too soon. Um, and you know, and listen, I've got a 12 year old boy that like lives and breathes baseball. Like he wants to do something baseball related every day. And I love that. And I appreciate that. But there are times when we literally have to tell him, you have got to take a break. Your mind needs a break. You're trying so hard, which I love and appreciate, but you need to reset. You need to have some time away to not be thinking about baseball. And I think that that's on us as parents to make our kids, even if they want it, you know, they want to do something every day, week in, week out, year in, year out, all that kind of stuff. That's great. And I love the passion and the commitment. I love that. But also too, like I tell Henry, my son didn't want to go to camp next year. Cause he's like, that's two weeks. I'm not going to be, you know, training. And I'm like, you're 12. You're, you don't need to be training. You're around. You're going to go to camp. You're going to not have devices. You're not playing video games. You're going to not have your phone. You're going to go to camp. 
you're going to sweat your nuts off and you're going to play with your friends and you're going to have a great time and you're going to come home and baseball is still going to be there. We're not planning our lives when you're 12 around baseball. We're just not doing it. And I love that you love it. And trust me, no one loves this sport more than me, like in our family. Like I love baseball. Obviously, I've made my, you know, living my career around it. But we are not going to do this. And so I think sometimes children, whether they feel that their parents expected of them or they just want it themselves, like it's up to us as parents to be like, you're going to cut this off for a little while. And I'm going to regulate you not to do more. I'm going to regulate you to do less because if not, you're going to get burned out. And I want you to enjoy it. I want you to have fun. Like this game has brought me joy over the last 20 years of my life and I wouldn't trade it for anything, but you're going to get to a point where if you do it too much and you overexpose yourself, it's going to be too much. And so, you know, it's on us as the adults to kind of be the regulators in this whole thing. Um, you know, it's, it's harder to do. I feel like because now there's so many more opportunities, um, you know, for these kids to be involved and they feel like if they're not doing every single thing that's presented to them, then they're, they're falling behind. When we return, Emily and I discuss what she's learned about youth sports from her professional baseball player colleagues. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Where we left off, Emily and I were about to discuss the importance of playing multiple sports, the car ride home, and the three things she tells her softball team every time they play. The piggyback off that album was, was like, oh my God, did she just listen to my interview with Tim Corbin? Because he literally, Tim Corbin, of course, head baseball coach at Vanderbilt University. He was episode one. And he literally said the almost verbatim exact same thing that you said is like, you know, the kids don't need to have a bat and ball in their hand, you know, 12 months out of the year. Like we, we have to, we take it away from them. And he used the exact word that you did. The body needs to reset. The brain needs to reset. He's like, even for just a little bit. And that's so important. And we often, you know, here at Reform Sports Project and I, we talk about balance, you know, and no more Garcia Parr, who I know, obviously, you know, um, <laughs> from an, I read a quote from him. He talked about how, you know, my kids want to eat ice cream every single meal all the day, but I got to be the parent to say, no, I got to be the one who doesn't allow that to happen. Um, and it's, it's interesting because you hear people say, oh, my kids want to sit inside and play video games or, you know, why are we going to tell them to stop going? So like, I'll, I'll, let me ask you this question. Your son, you tell him you want to shut it down, do baseball training. Like you need to take a break. What if him and his boys just want to go play wiffle ball? Like that's In, a, all day long, right? I all mean, day long. totally different thing, right? You ever talk to big leaguers who talk about how wiffle ball might have like, has, have you ever had conversations about that stuff? How free play might have helped them? Oh yeah. And a lot of the reason why I have the Stanford I do is because of conversations with guys like Ian Kinsler, Joey Gallo, Michael Young, like guys that I've gotten close with over the years, um, you know, talking about when we, you know, when I was starting to have kids and when they were entering the stage where they were going to start playing sports and how did you navigate? I mean, we all kind of went through these things, you know, at similar times um, when I first started having kids and to a man, the number one piece of advice I got in terms of sports and children 
is let them play multiple sports. Do not let them just play one sport too early on in their, you know, in their youth career. So big leaguers, those guys um, were telling you that? Oh, 100%. You talk to Ian Kinsler, you talk to Michael Young, you talk to Joey Gallo, you talk to, um, you know, like I'm trying to think of conversations with people I had, like when I was starting to have kids, like, uh, you know, even Ryan Rua, um, Will Middlebrooks, like, I mean, I would ask guys, you know, what did you do? You know, what did you play as a kid? And they're like, oh, you spread it around. Like, you play it all. Like, you you know, you don't focus on one thing until, you know, maybe late junior high, eighth grade, you know, high school maybe, because that's kind of, you kind of have to pick at that point. But like, no, it's, it's so good for you. I mean, you talk to successful, you know, baseball coaches. You talk to um, Chris Woodward, who was with us for a long time. You talk to Mike Maddox. You, I mean, all these guys. They're all saying the same things. I mean, I've never talked to one player that I've had a relationship with that's been like, yep, get Henry in baseball from jump and make sure he plays year round and make sure he doesn't play any other sport. Like never in my 20 years of doing this have I heard anybody say that. Do you think that there's like a, uh, you know, we often talk about overuse and like, what do you think about Tommy John when you first started covering baseball? Was it as prevalent as it is today? No, 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 no. I mean, and I think a lot of it is because dudes are, they're throwing their arms off. Like they're throwing at such high velocity that your, your arm can only withstand so much. And especially if you're a, if you're, you know, a guy that's of, you know, slider build. Um, and I, I'm not trying to say Jacob deGrom is of slider build, but Jacob deGrom is a tall, slender, man with very little like he doesn't have a lot of cushion right i mean he's not a big guy he's i mean you look bartolo cologne and jacob Degrom are completely different human beings right the way they're built and i think when you don't have a ton of muscle and for lack of a better word cushion to support what your arm is doing you know every five days and gearing up for that every fifth day you're more susceptible to it. I mean, I don't think it's any sort of coincidence that the number of Tommy Johns that we've seen has increased, you know, correspondingly to the fact that VLO has gone up, not just in the big leagues, but across the board. Um, guys are, kids are trying to throw harder. Um, and it's, it's the problem. Um, my husband pitched for one year at a junior college, you know, back 20, how many ever years ago. And he is very, very adamant and vigilant about Henry's throwing program and how often he can throw pitch and the recovery and the icing and the all that kind of stuff. Um, but I know that not all parents are like that. I'm grateful that he is because he's very cognizant of it because he, you know, he pitched in high school and he pitched, you know, like I said, one year in junior college. And it's not like he's any sort of expert, but he's also very mindful of it with our son to make sure that he stays in check and he's not being overused or overexposed. And also, too, I think just trying to teach them how to pitch instead of just, you know, throw the whiz out of the ball. Um, There's something to be said for that, where you see that a lot of times with guys late in their careers, that they don't have the velocity that they had and they have to kind of learn and find ways to to learn how to to pitch um, instead of just how to, to throw really hard. And I think that those are the ones where you see those are the most fun to watch to me. I mean, it's fun to see your oldest Chapman light up the radar gun at 103. Absolutely. I'm all in. But he's coming in for an inning at a time every two to three days. It's completely different than if you're a starting pitcher and you're trying to sustain that for seven innings every fifth day. You know, the fact that you 
have your experience in athletics in your career and your husband, obviously, you know, your, your family, you're a sports family and your husband's obviously, um, you know, involved in, in, you know, regulating your, your son's output as far as, uh, you know, pitch count and all that type of stuff. What is the car ride home for you guys? Like after a, after a game, let's say you're, you're, you know, Henry goes over four and, you know, he's on the bump and, you know, gives up a bunch of, you know, hits just doesn't have a great day. Like every human being does from time to time. And on the other side, what if he goes four for four and throws a one hit shutout complete game and it's on top of the world? What's it like in the car with mom and dad? Because I know for me, there, the back before I was the quote unquote reformed sports parent, there were times where I was definitely better of a parent when my kid was doing good versus now. Now I try to stay middle of the row. Are you, I'm proud of you. Great job. You know, I love watching you play, but how, what is it like for the Jones crew? So I will tell you this. I've received one of the best piece of advice ever from Michael Young. And Michael Young, Rangers Hall of Famer, you know, played for, you know, how many ever years in the big leagues, ultimate professional, like just such a level-headed, great dude and a dear friend. And he told me when his kids started playing sports, as long as they're in uniform, you don't talk about the game. That way you're not talking about it in the car right on the way home. Let them get home, get showered. And if they want to talk, if they want to talk about it, that's one thing. If they want to bring it up, they want to talk about it, that's fine. But you don't talk about the game as long as they're in their uniform. And so once they get out of their uniform, that means everybody's had the chance to cool down, to process everything, to have some more clear thoughts. But there's just, there's no reason to talk about the game while they're in their uniform. And I thought such a great piece of advice. Now, if they, if, if Henry wants to talk about it on the way home, then let's talk about it if he brings it up. But if I'm not bringing, we're not bringing it up. If he's in his uniform, we're on our way home. He's probably already, if he didn't do well, he's no doubt, no question beating himself up. Um, you know, whatever, if they want to talk about it, great. But I didn't, we don't bring up that game until he, until they're out of their uniforms. Cause a lot of times with these kids, a lot of them, you know, will flush it. They'll completely flush it and they're not even going to think about it. So there's no reason to talk about it. No reason to make it a bigger deal than it is. If they're, you know, nine, 10, 11 years old, if they've already flushed it, then you flush it too. And so if, if, if they're in their uniform, you don't talk about it. And then if they're, once they get home and they take a shower and, they come in and want to talk about it, then let's chop it up. But if not, then we're just going to stay away from it. I love it. You know, you're someone, like I keep saying, you're in the trenches, you're on a professional ball field, you know, almost every night. And more importantly, you're, you're running around with your own kids to their sporting events. So, you know, wh- what would be some advice that you'd give to just sports parents? Let's say, you know, parent will listen to this and, and you know, their kids are entering in like you were 20 plus, you know, however many years ago. Uh, what would you be saying to them on how to navigate it? So I feel like the best thing that I did was coach my daughter's softball team. So this is my third year coaching Hattie's softball team, the Dirt Divas. And these girls, I mean, none of them knew anything about softball going in or baseball much for that matter. And they have so much fun. They love it. Um, you know, they, they try hard, but they're good teammates to each other. And so we, we break down every, every game, every practice with, with three things, the three things that I want them to do each and every practice and each and every game. And that's play hard, have fun, be a good teammate. Everything else will take care of itself. I don't care if you hit a home run. I don't care if you strike out five times. I want you to play hard. I want you to have fun. I want you to be a good teammate. And I will tell you that coaching has given me a completely different perspective because I'm not going to lie. I'm not perfect. It's not like I'm that little miss perfect sitting on her hands in the stands while my kids are playing. I will, you know, say stuff, cheer, sometimes chirp, not that I'm proud of it. But when you coach, 
I know those girls are looking at me. I know they're looking to see how I react to certain situations, how I react to a bad call, how I react to another parent yelling at me, how I react to a coach yelling at me. They're watching me to see how I respond. And so for me, the best thing I ever did as a sports parent was to coach because I knew that I better clean my ass up if you you know know what I mean. If these girls are going to be looking to me, I can't act like a jackass. I've got to be, I've got to be something that they can look at and model their behavior after. And so for me, coaching Hattie's team for the last three years has been the best thing that I've ever done. And it's given me a whole different perspective on, you know, the entire youth sports scene. Um, and I, I would highly encourage anybody, even if you're not going to head coach, assistant coach, be on that field and know that those boys and girls that are so young and that are taking their cues from you are looking at you and how do you want them to act and how do you want them to react to certain situations because they are looking at you. And when you've got a a head coach or an assistant coach or a group of parents that are acting a fool, it's just, it's gross and it's embarrassing. Um, And it's like, Hey, Hey guys, remember us? (laughs) We're the adults. Like we need to do better. So these kids aren't jackasses. You know what I mean? But I just, people get competitive and I get it. But for the love, like we're not, this is, this is sports and not only just sports, it's youth sports. Like, let's just have fun, play hard, have fun, be a good teammate. (laughs) I love it. Emily, where can people find you? I know you're on Twitter. Where are your handles and your pod and all that? So, um, on Instagram at Emily Jones, 1977, which will tell you exactly how old I am. Let's go. Um, cause that's the year I was born. And then, um, the mom game podcast that I do with Julie Dobbs. And we talk about all kinds of just stuff, just like this parenting stuff, uh, sports, our tagline is not just moms, not just sports. So it's kind of a little niche thing. We've had a lot of fun with, we're three and a half years into that. So yeah, lots of different ways to find me, but it's been great talking to you. And we're going to have you on the mom game soon. I've got to get the Rangers figured out before we can do any planning of that kind because they've, they've kind of got me held hostage, which I'm not complaining about at this point. I love it. I can't thank you enough. I'd be honored to be a guest. And thank you so much for uh, for coming on. You're awesome. Absolutely. Thanks. Y'all have a great day. That's Emily Jones, sportscaster and Texas Rangers sideline reporter. Thanks for listening to the Reform Sports Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate it if you took a moment to rate and review our podcast as we work to grow our community of supporters and advocates. For more Reform Sports content, please subscribe to our newsletter and blog at reformsportsproject.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. 